your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. Okay, I hope we're having a great day today. Today, we're going to be talking about damaging words and self-talk. And this is so important because oftentimes, uh, especially in childhood, we pick up on words that our parents tell us. And, you know, we're all human and, uh, and also our friends and also our family and also our brothers and sisters, especially. There's a lot of negativity that is projected on us as children because we make a lot of mistakes. We do a lot of things that we shouldn't. We drop things. We do all kinds of crazy stuff that we don't even know why we do. But the deal is people react to us and then they label us. And that is what our instincts are, is to label so that we make everything easy. And so the problem is a lot of words are not well thought out and we absorb these in our life and these become a part of who we are sometimes until we actually consciously take a look at it and try to figure out what is this done to shape me and what is it doing to shape the people around me the best time to rediscover what words you use is when you have children because they reflect them back to you. They're like a parrot. They will they will basically, if you say something, they're going to say that word somewhere, maybe not in the most convenient places, uh, right back to you. And so the deal is they pick up on our, our negative energy. They pick up on our, our words. And this, once again, becomes a part of how they shape how they are. They are very powerful, words are, and they can do a lot of damage if they're not used correctly. So, you know, if you're building your relationship and you want to become closer with people, you know, you should avoid using certain kinds of words. And we're going to go into all aspects, but swear words especially. Swear words, which I used, and uh, I'm trying to not use them anymore in my life, but I tell you, you know, they, they do slip out every once in a while, and the deal is... Is these swear words, uh, we feel the need to say something, but it's more, swear words are more of a word of frustration uh, rather than of logic. Um, they basically are lazy. They're a way to get to a point with, without, uh, you know, just getting our emotion let go. But what we don't realize is people are going to react to that, those words. And those words actually are very uh, easy for people to pick up because they're said with such deep inflection. So it's easy for people to remember because of the way they come across. So, you know, the best way to to develop the intention uh, of not hurting people with swear words is try to replace them and, and, and try to find a different way to express your emotion. You know, it's very important to be able to talk to your emotion. You know, I feel frustrated. I feel angry. I feel disappointed rather than have to use a swear word to do to do that. You know, um, the other thing that can be very destructive is comparing. Oftentimes, a parent may compare their child with somebody else's child, or we may compare one girlfriend with another girlfriend, or a boyfriend with a boy, or a husband with another husband, or a wife with another. We may do all these comparisons, but what basically happens is when we do that, we're putting somebody in a one-down position, and so that can be extremely difficult uh, for people. And, and uh, you know, looking at how how people dress, 
you know, comparing somebody you love with someone else, that is a very destructive thing to do. And that's something we need to leave behind in our life as we get older and wiser. Um, the other thing is bad mouthing. You know, it, it, anytime somebody's going to bad mouth someone else and you're the one that's receiving that bad mouthing, uh, you're basically understanding that that person is a very sad little person. They, they don't have a lot to think about. They don't have a lot to do in their life, so they'd rather just critique other people rather than themselves. And so they spend their life projecting negative things, bad-mouthing other people, especially when they're not around. And that is a very destructive habit to have. But also to hear the bad-mouthing afterwards is extremely hard uh, because you, you just have to understand that, wow, you know, people don't, uh, you know, people will carry a lot of energy and project that energy on you and so they 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 what they think of themselves they often will project on other people and it's very sad but bad mouthing is the person trying to say you know or or if you're bad mouthing your spouse you know you never clean up you never do this you never do that you never blah 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 the more that we do that the more negative energy we bring into our life into our loving relationships bad mouthing a child by guilting them out for doing something they'd never do you know it's better to keep your energy at peace and to just pick up whatever the kid left behind or whatever your spouse you know keeps doing and readdress it with them but you don't have to make a big Broadway production out of it um, so many people uh, will badmouth and so many people will project negative energy on the people that they love and it's so sad that they have to live that way because it causes you to lose so much of your personal energy also whining whining and blaming you know, uh, if, if you don't care for your partner, if you don't love your partner, then find a different way. If you don't want to put your energy into a relationship, it takes two. You know, so this whining thing, just, just kind of sitting around complaining about everything and put the blame on everybody else, the other half, whatever, your kids, you know, you're eventually going to drive everybody away from you because they don't want to hear it. Nobody wants to be around that kind of energy. In your adult life, if you're a whiner, or a blamer or you have to project your stuff on other people you need to grow up you know it's just sad but a lot of people live that way also lies you know if, if you're in a relationship if you really want that relationship to work you have to tell the truth and you got to live in the truth even if the truth is bad and we all have told white lies or bad lies or whatever in our relationships but the deal is if you move away from the truth in a relationship you lose the essence of that relationship and all of a sudden the love starts to dwindle and so if you want to build your love build your trust and that will create the love that you need and that will feed it another word that is a very destructive word is divorce people will use the word divorce in their marriage or in their their in their relationship or whatever but the deal is the more you say it the more the self-fulfilling prophecy is coming about and that drives you to that final uh, divorce because if you keep bringing it up it the other person has to begin preparing for a divorce if you're going to talk about breaking up then you have to keep preparing to be broken up because now that has entered your life and that is now a possibility. So it creates a lot of anxiety when you're with someone and it's very confusing to be with someone who says they want to break up or they want a divorce and yet they don't. And so the word divorce is hurtful and it's not a good word to use if you're going to be married and it's certainly not a good word for your children to hear. You know, 
you have self-talk and that's a running monologue that's inside your mind. You have the right and the ability to change that to a more cheerful and supportive rather than negative and self-defeating. You know, there's enough negative in life, but to become a part of it is the easiest thing to do. You know, your self-talk combines your, your conscious, which we're going to talk about next week, and your unconscious beliefs and biases. And it's an effective way of your brain to interpret and process your daily experiences because we balance through that inner voice and our human nature is prone very easily towards negative self-talk making sweeping assertions like you know you can't do anything right or I can't do anything right or I'm a complete failure you know we go to these deep and dark black and white areas in our brain because we have to label to make it easy and so black and white thinking means that we're lazy and that is not life. Life is gray. It's full of interpretation. It's full of uh, uh, thought. And if you join it and you get beyond the easy and go into life taking on the challenges of dealing with the gray with forgiveness and hope and happiness, what happens is you start to see things that you've never seen before. You know, uh, another word that is very hard on people is procrastination. But it's basically procrastination is depression. And if we're procrastinators and we label ourselves as a procrastinator, we always wait to the last minute or we label someone else as a procrastinator, um, that means that we are going by our feelings rather than our thoughts. People that procrastinate self-defeat. And so what they do is they procrastinate and procrastinate and basically they they uh, create, um, th- they're waiting on the mood, they're waiting on a feeling to get things done. While life is more functional, we have to function through those emotional thoughts and we have to move into functioning in life. And sometimes that's not easy, but you get your joy back when you start to realize that you're co- accomplishing things that it, procrastination would have stopped you from. Procrastination is a self-esteem killer. You know, uh, when we feel bad in relation to something that we're doing, we're more likely to put it off. But the best thing to do is to find a way to motivate yourself to do things that you don't like doing and to find a way. And it may not be something for you. It may be something for someone else, but find a way to motivate yourself to do things. We all have to do things in life that we don't want to do. I mean, really, you know, having to to, uh, spend three hours at a playground is not necessarily the most enthralling thing to do, but you want to do that for your kid. You want to be there for them. You know, so stuff like that, we we have to make fun. We have to to try to drive ourselves. You know, we're very hardwired to feel emotional pain as well as physical pain. And, uh, you know, as human infants, uh, with many years of dependence on the caretakers, If we don't see the caretakers wanting us or or feeling uh, bad for us or feeling that they want to protect us or feeling that our cuts or bruises are not important, all of a sudden we develop a different sense of who we are and that we may not be as important and we may not be as important to survival. It's very important for us to have compassion when people feel emotional pain as well as physical pain. And that doesn't mean we have to victimize them. What it means is we want to empathize with them and understand and and feel. We don't have to join them, but we do want to, to, to be very compassionate with people because sometimes 
sometimes the pain people are in is a physical pain or is a um, emotional pain inside them and it just walks with them everywhere they go. And so, you know, finding a life, finding yourself, having a life that's bigger than you, doing things that are bigger than you, you're going to accomplish more with your life, but you can't do that with negative words. You know, social pain... Uh, can be more like physical pain. And it, like if someone, a best friend just, you know, says, hey, I don't want to be a friend anymore, never start or stops calling you or stops communicating with you or won't take your phone calls. And you'd have no idea why. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a kind of hurt that we begin to go, why? Why did this happen? Why did this happen? Well, people change. You know, relationships and, and, and friends can be seasonal. And that means that they happen in a time and a place where it's needed, but it's not necessary to drag it on through your life. And so a lot of people want friendship, for instance, to be a permanent thing. Well, friendship is, is a moving target because our life continues to change and the friendship is an addendum to everything else in the core of our life. You know, um, some people are more sensitive to pain uh, and some people are not. Some people are more socially, uh, they feel less pain and they feel more physical pain or some people feel more physical pain than they do social pain. Well, when someone doesn't have a lot of social pain, uh, usually that's an, an ingredient that they've been hurt and hurt and hurt to their life and they've kind of dulled it and, and they've dulled themselves down. And that means that they need to begin to heal. And that means that they want to release on the, 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 the importance of people that have negative energy in their life. Also, uh, let's look at other words, words that discount. You know, invalidations and challenges are words and statements that discount who you are. You know, an example of an invalidation statement is, uh, you know, I'm not going to waste my time talking to you. Or another, um, you know, invalidation statements hurt because the message you hear is that you don't matter. And so challenges are comments that hurt because they call into question your intelligence or your judgment. You know, an example is, uh, you really believe that? Or a sarcastic remark like, I'll listen to you because you're the expert, right? You know, th- that those kind of things are hurtful. Uh, words that demean can be like preaching uh, and, and character assassinations are designed to induce shame and embarrassment and guilt in other people. And so the pain associated with those kind of statements uh, often results from childhood memories or the, or the sudden uh, position of power the other person has taken over you. Because we get preached at constantly as children, especially by adults, especially by older children, especially by our, our siblings. And so, you know, the de- deal is a lot of that is character assassination. And it hurts because they state or imply that you are a bad person. With phrases like, you know, you're a failure, you're stupid, you should be ashamed of yourself. You know, that's all child. That's all child. And we can't be adults in this life and live saying things like that. You know, um, you know. It's also, an example of preaching would be like, uh, why are you behaving like a child? Or you don't even know what's right, do you? You know, you don't. You, basically, these are demeaning statements that are meant to hurt another person and only makes the person saying it look worse and sound worse and feel worse about themselves. Also, words that devalue, which is different than demean. Um, these, this would be threats of abandonment and exile. 
and uh, basing, basically the cutting of ties is what happens. Um, so stuff like, I don't care what you do anymore. I don't need you. You know, they hurt because the person is telling you they want nothing more to do with you. So, so, so threats of exile are more harsh statements that cause pain because they indicate that you have no value by wishing you were gone. You know, I never want to see you again. Are you no longer welcome here? Well, you know, some people in life you have to say things like that too. But the deal is you can find a better way to do it. And, and so you don't want to leave that because what happens is using phrases like that brings that person back to childhood. And once again, they can't escape. Their reaction continues and builds from a childhood perspective rather than an adult perspective. And so it creates that sense of abandonment, which is one of the deep fears that all people have. Um, there's also words that cause physical pain. Um, you know, they do hurt. And uh, there's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of research into that. But but the, the reason the emotional pain uh, brings on a physical pain is because that emotional pain creates anxiety within us and begins to hurt who we are, and so it creates an anxiety effect, which uh, affects our how our blood flows, how our brain thinks, how we react to the things in our, our environment, how we react to people, and it demeans. All right, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about words and phrases that won't help you. We're going to talk about words that make you lazy and also words you don't want to use as a parent. Come back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. 
There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red's. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about words and phrases that are damaging. And words that, there's some words that really won't help you. One of the biggest words is should. Uh, basically, uh, uh, um, Albert Ellis once said, and he was a great psychologist, is, is a great psychologist, and uh he once said, uh, you're shooting all over yourself. <laughs> so it's, it is an interesting word. And, and when you say uh, you should do something, you're saying that you haven't done something yet and you feel bad about it and you should do it, but you're really not committing. And so basically, uh, we should go to church or we should uh, go see our sick relative or, you know, that's a really bad word to have in your vocabulary because it leaves you with a back door and that back door will eventually bite you because basically those should stop you from doing what you really need to do. And so it's it's uh, it's not a matter of uh, uh, should, it's a matter of need. If we're saying should, you need to replace it with need because need is going to be a call for action and you need to take action. You can't sit there and excuse yourself because what you're telling other people is basically um, you're going to do the bad thing even if you know it's wrong. And so it, it says a lot about your character. Also, another word that is very destructive or a phrase is I can't. You know, uh, if you want to assure yourself that you're going to fail, I can't is a very destructive word. Nothing is ever going to get done with an I can't. And so you need to say I can or I need to find a way. I will find a way. You know, if you want to do something hard, you're going to have to do I can or I will or I will find a way. Uh, because those are going to help you move through life. 
When you say, I hope, I hope is a destructive phrase. Now, it's good in a sense that, you know, you're, it's a positive word, but uh, what you're basically uh, giving up all the power to affect change, though. You know, y- y- when it comes to other people, yes, hope is good because you can't control other people. But when it comes to your life and your actions, just saying hope is not enough. You need to know and you need to follow through and you need to get things done. Also, another uh, phrase that is negative and it won't help you is I'll try. Try is like the worst word in the English language. You know, there is no try. There, there is no try in life. Trying is irrelevant. You may as well not have said what you're saying. You know, try means that you're going to give a half effort, not a full effort into what you're going to do. Try means that you're not going to reach goals and it creates a self-defeating dialogue within your brain. So do just say, I'm going to do that or I will do that or I won't do that. You know, but don't do try because try is is just weak um, and, and it once again is an excuse word for you. Another one is, uh, you know, I've got a problem. Well, we all have problems, but uh, that, that means you're projecting on someone else that, hey, I need you to solve it or I need you to put up with me or I need you to deal with this. Well, I've got a problem. You also have to have an answer. You know, and so don't bring up a problem without a solution. That means if you're just going to leave it with a problem, that means you're a whiner. And that, that's not a good way to go in life. The, the other word that is hugely destructive, and I hear so many people say it all the time, is but. But, but, but. Um, but means that what I have to say is more important than what you just said to me. And so even though the person using the butt may point out some little vague detail, what they're basically doing is discounting the big picture that you may have shared with them. And so butt is a discount word for other people, and it means that you're not a good listener. That is not a good word to have in your vocabulary. There's other words that make you sound lazy, and they label you as lazy. You know, um, big words like that, you know, that is a very general word, you know, um, you know, you, 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 you want to use the word that as uh, being very exact with what you're saying, but when you use word, you know, that as a label, uh, it's not a great word. Or if you say, uh, honestly, as an emphasis, the minute you say this particular statement, you've implied the rest of your words were not honest. And so it's important to understand that that means everything you said before was not important. That honestly means that this is the most important thing I need you to hear. And so it discounts. And so that's a tough one. Also, uh, big words like absolutely. Uh, this is a, it's not a necessary word. If you recommend an, an essential, uh, like a, a course or something like that, or if you're recommending a book or some something, Absolutely, you know, absolutely is kind of uh, an over-enthusiastic endorsement. And so it basically means that things are going to be the way you say it's going to be rather than the way that they're going to interpret. You know, so um, there's other words also, like always, always is another one. It it sounds, uh, 
conceded, but always there's there is no always in life. There's always there, in life if there is anything that's always there's always change, and so you know the deal is is always. We are not in a consistent universe. We're not in a consistent world. We're not in a consistent life. And so always is an irrelevant word. Also, never. Never is another very harsh word because never means never. And and never is not the truth. There is no truth to a never because there are possibilities of things changing. You know, there things in life change. And that means if you say always and never, that means you want things to be concrete, but it means you're also delusional. You know, um, another word is, that is very vague and not a good one to have in your vocabulary is maybe. You know, that means that you're not very well thought through. That means that you're not very decisive or maybe not informed. Um, So that's a word that you want to discount out of your life. Also, stuff. Uh, Stuff can be a, a, a lazy word. And it basically is a very general word, but it doesn't really define uh, very much. And so it's a kind of an irrelevant word to use. Now, here's words that we don't want to be using on our kids. Uh, one of them is so important, it's stupid. To say stupid to a child and calling them stupid coming from an adult to another child or an older child to a younger child or a younger child to an older child, it, it, it is a horrible word. Um, because basically you're saying that you're nothing more than stupid. That means that you have nothing to give. And that, that totally diminishes a child's life. And it also becomes a self-dialogue that they carry on into their life. You want to believe in them. You want to reinforce them. You want to tell them how great they are. But another labeled word that can be extremely hard on a kid is selfish. If you call them selfish, well, you know, the the way that a kid thinks is they're already egocentric because they're, you know, they don't think about other people that much. But, um, you know, what it means is they simply cannot understand why when they want something, anybody will have a difficult, a different perspective, you know, but, but that's how they think. They are egocentrical and they can't learn to be giving until we teach them how to be giving, but we don't want to guilt and shame them into it. So calling them selfish, never a good word. Another one, especially for teenagers, is a liar. Calling them a liar. If you call them a liar over and over again, well, everybody is a liar. Everybody lies. You know, it, it, there's incredibly... Uh, huge amounts of degrees of, of what a liar is. And so, you know, the deal is, is that we want to teach them about lying and the consequences of lying rather than you're a liar. Because then that becomes a part of their self-dialogue. You know, another one that could be very destructive is smart, calling them smart. You know, it can be counterproductive because not every person is smart in school, but they're smart in life. And some people are smart in life, but they're not smart in school. You know, we're all smart in different areas, but we're not just smart. You know, everybody's got their levels of intelligence based on their emotions, based on their intellect, based on their ability to relate to people, uh, based on their social skills. All those, we are at different degrees. And so, you know, just labeling your child as smart, 
they have to live up to that in every part of life and then they become flawed in every part of life that they're not good at. There's a great disappointment. There's a lot of guilt that comes with those kind of words. Another one is spoiled. You know, uh, if, uh, you know, that the spoiled came from, um, uh, I think, like maybe the pilgrims or something like that, if I can remember. But basically, it comes from a religious thing where, you know, you're guilty for doing things that are selfish. You know, we're supposed to be ultimately giving people. Our life is supposed to be bigger than us. But as a child, you are going to do things that spoil because you don't realize the social impact what you're doing on other people. Um, you know, kids get locked in on their own delusions and their own thought process. That's how they grow. They make lots of mistakes. But calling them spoiled it is so damaging. And, and it makes them uh, be, in their mind, the model of greed, selfishness, and feelings of entitlement. And, you know, it's not a good thing. It guilts and shames them. And it, it creates a label within inside themselves where they're not good enough. Uh, and they're not supposed to have what they have. And so it, it leaves a negative energy in a child's life. Also, bossy. Bossy is another word that can be very, you know, if you're going to call, especially when you call girls bossy, well, you know, they do have opinions. You know, if a kid is bossy, they're bossy. But, but you don't have to say you're bossy. You can say you're opinionated. But, you know, you don't, everybody's got their opinion. You want them to shape their ideas of themselves. You want them to grow. Uh, you want them to be a good person. Uh, just because they're opinionated, that may be part of their personality. And there's not anything in this world wrong with that. There's other words like princess or prince. You know, these are, these are uh, means that they have to live up to that. And that is not a, you know, it's great to go to Disneyland and dress up as a princess or a prince. But that's Halloween. That's, you know, that's one day. But the deal is if we relate to them as that, then we're creating a sense that they're higher than other people, they're more entitled than other people, and it's not realistic. And it's very hard for them to associate with other people because they're higher than them. So that image that it creates, especially when they watch cartoons and things like that in life that project a lot of prince, princesses, kings, and that gives them a sense of entitlement because they really believe that that is who they are. Another thing, uh, that another uh, label uh, that can be bad is uh, the word heartbreaker. If you call them a heartbreaker, well, that's not good because that means they're a negative person already. That means that they're not being looked at as who they are, but looked at as how they look. And so, you know, kids are not our little fashion showpiece. Um, you know, they're kids. And so you want people to look at them and how they are and who they are rather than what they always look like or what they look like. You know, we all come in different degrees of attractive and unattractive. So let's talk about uh, some categories or some thoughts of positive self-talk. You know, we want to create a sense of optimism and a, po- and a sense that we can defeat the negative in our life. But to do that, we have to think in terms of, hey, you know, life is a joyful thing. 
I have an opportunity to wake up today and either be negative or I have an opportunity today to be positive. If we look at all the things in our lives that go wrong and go right and go sideways, go whatever, if we sit around and just stare at those things, you know, everything moves through. It, it, it may conclude in life a negative experience or whatever. It may conclude in life, but the deal is you still have to move on. We have to be resilient. And, and one way to create that strong will and that, that understanding of life is that life is bigger, bigger than us. And if we come from a religious perspective and believe in God, God is bigger than us. God has a bigger plan. And we need to have hope and joy that that plan has great thoughts of us achieving great things. And so what we have to do is it may not be in the way we designed it. It may not be the way we intend it. But what it is, is it creates a sense of, hey, you know, our life is, is meant to give to others and we have strengths and we want to be positive so that we can influence other people and do good in our life. But if we dwell on the negative people will run for the hills. And so the deal is we have to show that resiliency within ourselves because that's where it begins. And people that are positive, people that have good self-talk, people that believe in themselves, that believe they're attracted, that believe they're intelligent, that believe they have a lot of gifts, um, are able to laugh at themselves, are able to understand, hey, you know, um, I am flawed and just admit it and just deal with it. Uh, What happens is, is that we begin to understand that we're a part of life and people can relate to us. So we can, if you can laugh at yourself, that is important. But setting yourself up to be an image of who you want to be rather than who you really are, what you're going to do is create a lot of energy doing something you never want to do. So, you know, you may find your, your, your mind uh, going to catastrophizing, you know, playing the what-if game. Well, that's a negative. Another one is blaming, you know, by blaming other people, you're saying, I don't take responsibility. Rehashing and and creating thoughts where you just keep going over things and going over like you do at night, trying to sleep and you can't sleep, you're rehashing, rehashing. Well, you can't control it. And the last thing is rehearsing, you know, a future event. If you sit there and rehearse it like this show, I write it a long time before, but the next thing that I do is I put it away and I pick it up on the day I'm going to do the show because I don't want to be red. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about fighting the negative and creating the positive. We're going to talk about self-compassion and all kinds of good stuff. Come back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. We all experience grief and loss. It's not something most people like to talk about, but these topics do need to be discussed. 
On Let's Talk About Grief, host Addie Anderson speaks to both professionals and individuals about grief, death, and personal loss. You'll hear the important topics, the personal and professional outlooks, and learn how to prepare yourself and loved ones when the need arises. Listen Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. We all have the inner ability to use the gifts within ourselves to serve ourselves, our families, loved ones, and our communities. Once you have discovered these gifts and talents, you can promote harmony, peace, and hope. To find out how to harness your own gifts and talents, tune in to Get Ready. Get ready for your breakthrough with host Felicia A. Hill, live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen and share with others. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about damaging words and phrases. And and I brought up some words that are negative, but I want to give you the positive. You know, look at uh, the word we talked about, should. Well, instead of saying should, maybe you'd use the word choose or desire or want or could. That has so much more hope to it and so much less guilt. When you use a phrase like need to, replace it with want to or choose to or desire to. Those are committed words. Those are important. Uh, another uh, uh, rephrase would be have to. I, I really want to. I really desire to. That's a better word. Can't. No, can't is not a good word. But if I say I'm not willing to or I choose not to, that's a more adult-like and, and it also gives a sense of hope. You know, always and never. You know, how about sometimes or often or seldom? Or if we look at the word must, how about choose or desire? How about the word but? Instead of saying but, say and. Replace it with and instead of having to talk over someone. That's a much better way to go. You know, another one is may. You know, maybe. Uh, you know, maybe is not a good word. Just say what you mean. You know, or say what you believe. You know, I believe. Uh, that's a much better thing. Look at a problem and change it to an opportunity or a challenge instead of calling it a problem. You know, it, it's important to take accountability for our words. You know, um, most people don't realize it, but as we go 
through our lives, we're constantly thinking about and interpreting situations where we find ourselves in. And, and it's as though we have an internal voice inside our head that determines how we perceive every situation. And that inner voice is called self-talk. And we talked about that earlier. And it, it's, it's a, a reasonable uh, thing, but we want to have it be constructive. You know, uh, I, instead of uh, going to the negative, you know, if you're having to take an exam or you're having to do a task you don't want, I better do some preparation. I'm really looking forward to the taking that test or I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to to show what I know. You know, um, instead of saying I, I feel like I'm going to fail or I didn't I didn't uh, do well. You know, those are not good words. You know, I'm hopeless. That's crazy to say that kind of stuff to yourself. You know, uh, self-talk is often often skewed towards the negative. And it's sometimes it's just plain wrong. And if you're experiencing depression or anxiety or both, you're going to have a lot. I mean, truckloads, train full, boats full, ships full of negative self-talk is going to be a part of who you are. And that cannot help but spill over and project itself on other people. You know, uh, you can test and and challenge your self-talk. You know, dispute your self-talk means challenge the negative, unhopeful aspects. You know, I'm a good person. I'm a happy person. I am a, a strong person. I'm an intelligent person. These are good things to say to yourself. But a good way to test your perception is you might ask yourself some, you know, questions. You know, Reality testing, what is the evidence for and against my thinking? You know, if you have a negative self-talk, write it down and then ask yourself, what is the evidence that says that this is accurate? You know, are, are, is this thought really factual or are they just interpretations? And that's why journaling is such a good thing because journaling brings in your, your, your self-dialogue. And if you can actually start to pull forward that self-dialogue and replace it, you're able to not come to um, very bad conclusions about yourself. You know, you have to ask yourself, am I, am I jumping to a negative projection or a negative outcome or a negative conclusion? You know, it, that's another thing you want to ask yourself on your self-talk as you write it down. You know, how can I find out if my thoughts are actually true? And then go through it and, and validate. Are they true? Are they always true? Because they're not always true. And what's true is we we do a lot of stupid things. We do a lot of dumb things in life. And if we just label ourselves by those things, we end up finding ourselves living in those traumatic events rather than experiencing life in itself. You know, we also want to look for alternative uh, uh, explanations. Are there any other ways that I could look at a situation? You know, if I'm seeing... um, you know, the, the, the easiest thing that comes to mind, if I'm seeing my child act up and it's the end of the day, usually they're tired, you know, but if I'm going to go, oh, that's a bad kid or I'm going to go punish them. Well, no, what you have to understand is they're dealing with uh, half the brain uh, working because they're tired and, or maybe hungry or maybe they're thirsty or maybe they have to pee or whatever. But you don't want to just sit there and, and, and envelop a negative explanation just because it's not going your way. You know, um, you also can look at a situation and go, what else could this mean? You know, if things aren't going your way or in your mind, you come to a conclusion 
come to other conclusions because the other conclusions have val- uh, validity also. You know, it's better to not be lazy and just focus on what we think all the time and what our self-dialogue is. We need to get outside of it and explore it. You know, if, if you uh, looked at yourself and says, okay, it's simple. I'm looking at it from a negative perspective. What would a positive person say? And see if you can embrace that because the more you can do that, the more resilient your life's going to be. You know, um, that's why it's so good if you have God in your life because you can throw it to God. You know, it's going to go the way it's going to go. You know, all you can do is what you can do. You know, putting things in perspective is also important when it comes to negative self-talk. You know, um, it, it, you know, you have to ask yourself some questions, you know, like what is the worst thing that can happen? You know, how likely is it to happen? And what is the best thing that could happen? What is most likely to happen? Is there anything good about a situation? When you ruminate over negative things that are pending or whatever, you, you really have to understand that there's always going to be outcomes that are human and and so basically that means they land where they land you know it's also using goal-directed thinking is very important what can I do that will help me solve this this issue this this uh, opportunity what will help me get to my goals what will help me feel good to achieve my goals what will help me get my energy and recognize that I'm happy and find the place where I am feeling like myself. The other thing is we have to have self-compassion. We have to talk to ourselves constantly. And we, you know, we have 12,000 to 50,000 thoughts every day. And if most of them are negative, we're not going to have a good experience. But internal talk is a mixture of negative, positive, and neutral thoughts. You know, and so it's really important that uh, we understand that a lot of this self-talk was developed in our childhood and and it persists throughout our lifetime. And what we want to do is identify those childish thoughts that we tend to go back to that are very negative. And we want to really nail down on those and begin to rediscover the alternatives to that. And that's what those questions that I was just talking about are so important. You know, there's a negative uh, loop in our brain, which is invariably learned as a response to stemming from, you know, uh, self-talk that comes from how other people viewed us when we're children. And this leads to a lot of stress. And over time, it puts us at risk for mental and physical disease. And many of us, our inner voice is self-punishment and even self-abuse because of what it says to ourselves. We can call ourselves useless, stupid, a failure, worthless, but our internal dialogue influences self-esteem, our levels of confidence, and the quality of our relationships suffer because we end up not only projecting those on ourselves, but projecting them on the people we love. And that's never a good thing. You know, it takes a toll on our feelings, on, on our behaviors, and, and this can be damaging in every area of life. So what is interesting is that we speak to ourselves in a way we would not dare talk to our friends or even the people that we don't like. You know, our thoughts, are, we have to ask, are they accurate? You know, the problem with self-talk is that we tend not to question the accuracy of what we tell ourselves. We just listen to the negative statements day in and day out, swallow them whole. Even we end up believing these thoughts, even if they do not hold any amount of truth. They may hold some truth, 
But that doesn't mean they hold all truth. The truth is we all are negative. We all are positive. We all are good. We're all evil. In some ways, we've done things, We whatever. But the thing is, is that we can't, we have to forgive ourselves and understand that, hey, we're, we got to live a little bit more momentum here. We got to to make our life a little bit stronger. And that is coming from positive self-talk. That doesn't mean you create a delusion of yourself that doesn't uh, criticize yourself or say, hey, you know, I could do better at this. But but we want to be a work in progress. You know, we want to be continuously trying to improve on ourselves so that we can ultimately do what we're here to do. And that's to help other people. We also want to develop the capacity or the ability to change. You know, it's it's ultimately a matter of choice and practice. You know, optimism is a practice thing. It's something that we have to learn to do. And so, um, you know, we want to be self-compassionate. And we want to, we know we're basically, we're not uh, reared or created with this kind of attitude. Um, We're created with a lot of criticism, a lot of critique, uh, a lot of parental advice, a lot of negative reactions to who we are, especially when we're younger. And that tends to shape who we become and who we think we are. And so that tape just continues to roll and roll and roll. And we've got to take a handle on that tape and create change in our thought process. You know, some examples of negative self-talk is I'm such an idiot. I can't believe I'm so stupid. I'm not lovable. Uh, Other people are better than me. I can't cope. The worst always happens to me. My problems will go on forever. You know, come on. Life is not that extreme. That is very damaging and dramatic type of thinking, and it's not constructive. And so we want to get rid of that and challenge these thoughts because they're not true. We all have the capacity to be loved. We all do stupid things, but that doesn't mean we're stupid people. Uh, But we don't have to absorb these things as a dialogue about who we really are. Um, We want to not be that person that's created those things or done those things, but we have to shape ourselves and understand that, that we have to move through life and be more resilient and have stronger will. You know, it's also good to write an internal script down that is an alternative script for yourself. So if you're journaling, you create a better uh, uh, script basically by writing it down and and creating that positive self-talk about yourself. So you have a place to go that's an alternative from the negative. You know, also, we want to tap into our self-kindness and our self-compassion. You know, that means we have to look at our intentions. Our intentions are never, well, not always where our outcomes are. You know, our intentions, we make mistakes. We do things, but not with bad intentions. But what what ends up happening is something bad happens. Well, that's the way life is. But what you have to do is begin to understand intentions if you're going to get to forgiveness. And that is a very, very important aspect of ourselves. And that's where we have to forgive ourselves. You know, um, we're capable of being whatever we think we're going to be in this life. And so, um, you know, it's important to, to be resilient and to laugh and to think and to live and to connect and to be in the, 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 the moments you're in in life rather than in your future and your past. You know, um, you have to look at yourself and, and create more awareness and more capacity to love other people. And that is where life is meaningful. And if you're looking for the meaning of life, 
just live in the moment you're in and give it everything you got. And what you're going to find is that is the meaning of life. And so it's a great thing to be able to be able to offer people love and compassion and understanding when they need that. And and that is an important aspect of life. And if we can get out of the negative self-talk, we have so much more to offer because we become magnetic when we're optimistic and we're strong and we're realistic and, and we enjoy things. And we show that joy and we show that life by creating positive self-talk because other people crave it. If we know how to do it, they'll know how to do it. All right, that's our show. Our next show is The Conscious, Listening to Our Inner Voice. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you, drgbmft at sbcglobal.net or my website, drgbmft.com. I'm currently scheduling speaking and teaching engagements and conducting intensive coaching for marriage, pre-marriage individuals um, in person over Skype. So please contact me right away if you'd like to book a time, www.drgbmft.com. Now remember, if you are lonely, put on a horror movie, and if you won't feel, then if you watch that movie, you won't feel alone anymore. <laughs> Sorry, I blew that line. <laughs> also remember, you're... Your self-perceived relationship status is best tested by if you sleep diagonally or straight. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 